Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. Thank you for taking time to join us today, and welcome to this episode of Disruptive CEO Nation. We are talking with somebody about the importance of user research and who is really on a mission to change the way products are launched, products are developed, and I think she's got some great wisdom for you. So we would love to welcome to the program Lindsay Allard, who's the CEO of Playbook UX. Lindsay, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. So just give our listeners a little uh, dose of what Playbook UX stands for and what you deliver. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so what Playbook UX is really about is getting uh, feedback from your customers. Um, so there's a lot of ways you can get feedback. And what we really focus on is the why behind things. So um, why do people like this experience or why do they not like this? Why are they getting stuck? Why is there drop off? Um, and hearing direct video-based feedback um, from them. So them speaking out loud, going through your prototype, your website, your product saying, giving that direct feedback. And that's really helpful at all stages of development, new ideas, new concepts. Um, and our goal is to make that easy, affordable and accessible. Um, and so that's a, you know, it's not an easy process. And our goal is to make software that uh, enables companies to get that feedback, do it regularly, iteratively, um, and um, really be able to talk to their users and, and continue to build beautiful products, experiences, and um, all that stuff. Well, and I got to believe that that this that part of the goal here is to help companies one not waste money, right? And, and, and try to get things to market that aren't really going to get through or aren't in touch with their intended buyers. And I think that is, is just so valuable. But also, I feel like sometimes, and in, in Lindsay, sh- certainly share your experience, that the old focus groups, you know, people lie. I joke, that people lie, like, employees lie, cons- you know, customers lie, they don't always tell you the real thing. And yeah. so what I like about what you do, is this this video or this way that you can capture people in real time using the product. So could you just give us a little bit more detail about like the the mechanics and the AI and the or however it is that you're building your technology to help? Yeah. So I think you kind of you definitely um hit on something interesting. Um focus groups and doing in-person focus groups was definitely what people were doing and how they were getting feedback. And I think the industry has said, you know, we, we actually focus groups. There's a, there's a lot of bias that goes into a focus groups. Um, you know, let's say you have 10 people in a room and one or two have a really strong opinionated voice. You know, the quieter person who, you know, maybe is a little more shy, doesn't want to go against the grain. There's a lot of group think, right? So they might not want to share what they personally think. And it might be a little different. And I think there's a lot of, um, you know, issues too, with being in person, because if you're a California based company and you have users across the world, um, you're probably only getting feedback from people who can come into your California office. So the person who's in France or the person who's in Canada or even in Michigan, you know, isn't able to give their feedback. So you really are building a biased product in that sense. 
Um, so the idea behind what we do is it's all remote, it's all video based and it's one on one. So you are reducing a lot of ways of kind of creeping in bias in different um, senses. And I think also AI helps uh, pull out um, some bias in the sense that when you're analyzing all of this research, so you have all these videos and they're really, really helpful. Um, you might watch the first video and be like, oh yeah, I got all these insights. And then by the fifth video, you're like, yeah, I heard that before. I've heard that again, but it's not as powerful. So when you take that and you analyze it and you take it holistically and say, oh, this person's saying this and this person's saying this, and um, you kind of make sure that you're um, reducing bias in every possible way, because um, like you said, people lie, but I also think people don't, it's hard to speak your thoughts aloud and really capture what you're trying to say. Mm-hmm. And when you're reviewing a product, that's a real skill. Um, and so I think that you have to try and probe um, people as much as you can. Now, tell me what you really think. I won't be offended. Like, I really want to hear what you have to think. Um, Cause people inherently, they don't want to upset people, right? They want to just be like, this is great. Um, but you want to hear, you know, you want to hear the, the critical feedback because that's how it's going to make things better. So, um, you know, of course there's, there's that, but um, yeah, I think the, the value of getting that feedback is so high. Like you said, of course, saving money is one aspect of it, um, but that goes across so many different ways, right? So if you get that feedback early on, you're not wasting time building a product or a service that people don't really care about. You're building something people actually care about. So that's that kind of concept testing or is this a good idea is this something we should pursue yeah no and I can see on your website you talk a lot about uh prototype testing and helping companies with that and their product development and you have a background in and 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 products can you give the listeners just a, a little bit of a taste of of what you were doing before and what was really the inspiration for starting playbook ux yeah, um, so that's a great question. Um, so I was doing product management, like you mentioned, um, and doing a lot of uh, doing some research. And there's a lot of different tools that we had to use. And it's just a pretty arduous process. You have to um, recruit people, you have to, um, you know, uh, write, create your prototype, you have to, um, you know, put in the questions, you have to use one tool for scheduling people, another one for paying people, and you have another one for transcription, another one for recording, like, you're kind of putting all these together, and it's just really tiresome, then you have like 15 different subscriptions that you're paying for just to do one process. Um, And then my co-founder, who's also my wife, she was working at a big company, and they had some challenges too, even with the big tools. Um, And so we both kind of said, if you're working at this big company, having these issues, I'm working at these startups, having these issues, like research has to be more accessible. Um, it has to be easier because the value's there. Um, but you know, it's just so tiring and time consuming. So mm-hmm. it's an easy thing to say, Oh yeah, yeah, we'll do the research later. Or we know what our users want. Well, do you really know what your users want? <laughs> I was going to say, that sounds like a statement that is going to bury everybody to success. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so I think the, the, the biggest, um, positive of making it affordable and also easy is that people do more research. So that's our goal is to enable companies to be able to do more research. They're not just testing the big thing. They're testing all the little things like the new marketing campaign, the little feature here and there that, you know, then you don't waste time building something that people just don't care about, or one little tweak could make a big impact. And Lindsay, this is what I love about your story is if you go on the website, I know, and and I don't know if you want to do some name dropping of some of the brands that you work with because they're on your website. So let the listeners know who are some of the types of companies that you are doing work with currently. 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting. When we first started, kind of, we had this idea that we wanted to be the small, medium-sized business um, software platform um, because we didn't see a lot of options for that. For that, um, and that's how we started out. We have tons of small, medium-sized businesses, agencies, um, freelancers, nonprofits. Um, but our pricing model makes it so you're you ain't using what you pay for, uh, and so then the enterprises started resonating with that, being like, "Hey, we want to." pay when we need it and not pay when we don't need it. Um, and so then they, a lot of enterprises have started signing on um, in companies like that. So yeah, I mean, it, it ranges and um, from these big companies, you got your Intuits, your, you know, all these big, big corporations to, you know, that freelancer or that nonprofit that wants to get that feedback. And, you know, we always think that that's awesome. Like, you know, navigating a, a, a a nonprofit website. So it's better and easier to give donations is so like impactful for them Mm -hmm. and being able to make that process even a little bit better um, because someone doesn't drop off because they're like, how can I even pay this company? Um, So yeah, I think uh, we really run a big range uh, in terms of our customers. Well, that's what I love. It's kind of like the democratization of of R&D, right? And I think the fact that you started off with with that in mind is how to make it scalable and at a price point for those those young entrepreneurs who are who are building new products or nonprofits. I I think that's great because you didn't start off going, you know, I want the elephants, you know, I want those big giant clients, but yet you have a platform that can serve both. Now I'm going to ask you a question that's just kind of a, a curiosity question. You said your co-founder is your wife. I often talk with my um, entrepreneurs about the relationship with their co-founder, how they kind of have chosen to divide up the leadership of the company. Is there something that um, that you would give in wisdom in terms of working with the co-founder? Yeah. Well, we always like to joke that we're a mom and mom shop. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, it's actually interesting. I think when we first started, um, we were doing all the same stuff together. Like, you know, if it was a marketing, we would be like working on it together. If it was um, a product initiative, we work on it together. If it was an ops problem, you know, I, we were splitting the demo, the product demos, like we were just splitting all of the work. And my dad actually said, He's like, you guys are, you can't do this anymore. He's like, you have to split. This isn't working. And I was like, and we were just like, so, you know, and he's like, you got to really think about what each of your strong suits are and and work to them. And so of course, you know, it's like my dad. So I'm like, ah, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, whatever. <laughs> um, but then I really thought about it and I was like, you know, you're hundred percent right. And um, so we started looking at what, a, what are each of us better at? Um, and so you know, for Kristen, you know, she doesn't like getting on calls. I think that's like so draining for her, but she's highly detail organized. She's really good at problem solving and operations. So doing all the operations, finance and product made sense, you know, but when she had to get on the sales call or she had to get on that, it was so distracting that to get back into the detail oriented stuff was really tough for me. I'm not the most detail oriented person, but I could, I'm very good on the sales calls. I'm good at, you know, some of the marketing stuff and customer success. So, um, and then, then we transitioned to really splitting up and being like, all right, we own these things. And luckily, obviously, you know, we had a good working relationship before, um, we actually played college uh, sports together. And so I we went to college together. And so we knew we worked well together, but, um, I think really taking a step back and being like, oh, I'm, I'm not actually really good at this. Um, I don't think I'm going to be good at owning it. I think it was more of understanding that. And then, you know, luckily we're kind of have complementary skill sets in that way. 
Um, so yeah, I think listen, listen to your dad. <laughs> <laughs> listen to your dad. That is a new one for me in over three years of doing these, these interviews. Um, but Hey, if it, if it works and it was the right wisdom, that's, what's important. So you have chosen to be, to bootstrap this, to be self-funding. And so I have to ask you, because you have a very technology-based company coding and you've self-funded it. How did you go about sourcing the right people to help you build the technology? Yeah, you know, we actually have an amazing team. Um, I think that's the best. I mean, you know, I just, we couldn't do any of this without them. And so I actually worked with them previously in other kind of freelancing and other roles before. So I had actually known and had a good relationship with them. And then when um, we started this, I was like, well, I know who's going to be doing that. And so that uh, the, the development stuff. And so that was great. I also think that um, Kristen, my co-founder and I um, are both product managers too. So um, that was our role. So I think we're really, I mean, we just love the product, right? Like that's, you know, everyone has their thing about what they really love. And I think product is, is that thing for both of us. And so I think while we're not technical ourselves in the sense that we're not developers, we are really, you know, just focus a lot of our time on the product because I think when you have a great product, everything else is a lot easier. Uh, it's a lot easier to sell. It's a lot easier to do customer success. It's a lot easier to do marketing. Um, so yeah, I think just obviously the team is, is super impactful. And, um, you know, for us, again, like we're just totally product led growth. Like, um, you know, at the end of the day, that's what we're going to spend our time on. If we have, you know, have a choice of what we could spend our, uh, free time on, uh, it would be the product stuff. Well, and I was going to ask you because one of the value propositions of, of what Playbooks UX does is you help people with the marketing message and creatives. Like I know if you go to the site, it says see marketing materials and, and understand if those marketing materials resonate with the right customer and audience. So I was going to ask you if that makes you feel more pressured about how you do your own marketing and your own go-to market strategies for your product, because if you're helping, if you're telling others that you can do it for them and do it exceptionally well, um, you know, yeah. sometimes we joke and say, you know, you can't read the label from inside the jar, but did you, did it feel like added pressure or has your growth really been, um, as you said, product led growth where you didn't feel like you had to work too hard for it? Yeah, that's such a good question. So I think that um, I would say you know, marketing is definitely one part of it. We don't do honestly a lot of marketing and like the traditional like ads, we don't do much of that. Um, but I would say, you know, we, we build our products. We have, um, a lot of our target demographic is user researchers or product managers. Um, and then we also have founders and marketers, but I would say it's a core group is user researcher and product managers. So, we're building a software for user researchers to do user research. So yes, the standards are high, um, but I always say we have the best customers because they know how to give amazing detailed feedback, right? They're like, mm -hmm. if you added this here, it would be so, it would help save so much time. Or if you did this here, like we get the best insights. I just can't say enough about, you know, of course it's, they have an expectation that's higher, right? But they also are so good at giving that feedback that just is like, wow, I didn't even think of that. Like, thank you so much for, for bringing that up. So, um, you know, there's two sides of everything. So I, I just, you know, 
I always just am like in awe of how well, and they, you know, they enjoy it too, right? They're like, oh my gosh, this is an opportunity for me to like give feedback to a UX company um, on how they could improve their UX. So um, yeah, I think it's um, a lot about listening to your users and really actually caring about what they say and implementing it um, and having no ego around what, what needs to be built next. And I think that's a big thing that we, we think about is like, it's not about what I want or Kristen wants or anyone else really wants. It's about what our users want. Um, so it's easy to make decisions when you're just like, I'm doing what the users want. I, it's not about me. It's not about anyone else, but the users. So one of the questions I was going to ask you is as an entrepreneur, so you founded this company in 2018 and you've, you've had um, some wonderful, a wonderful growth trajectory. What is it that, that you ha- would say, was either a hard lesson learned. I used to always talk about like naked lessons, like, Ooh, what was the, the really like, Oh, I would do that differently if I did it again. But what are some of the things that, that you've now learned as an entrepreneur that you would, you know, advise or give somebody a dose of wisdom coming up behind you? Yeah, there's so many, I mean, I feel like I'm learning new things every day. Um, I think that, you know, I think that I, I think when we first started, I'm like, uh, this is a, you know, I'm going to do everything. I'm going to be like doing everything, doing everything. And I think realizing that a startup is a marathon and not a sprint was a big one for me. I think realizing that consistency and, and all that is a lot more impactful and, and then the kind of really quickly get everything, you know, work these crazy hours and then burn out and work these crazy hours and burn out. Um, you know, I think Kristen and I talk a lot about like every day we got to be consistent, right? We got to show up, we got to make improvements, we got to, you know, continue to do well. Um, so I think that, you know, realizing that this is not, uh, you know, every, I think Steve Jobs said, right, every overnight success, when you look back, it's really a long, it's been a long journey for them. Um, I think realizing that early on and being like, I need to be consistently there. And, you know, that means taking care of your health, that means taking care of your sleep, um, and, and how important those things are and mental health too, like that stuff that can catch up with you quickly. Um, and so recognizing that it's not just, you know, growth at all costs, um, and, and really, um, you know, taking care of yourself. So, uh, that's a big part of, of what, you know, what we've been about in 2021 and, and want to make sure that that's the consistency going forward. Um, because at the end, when you look back, you know, you want to make sure that, you, you know, took care of yourself and, and everyone in your company as well. It's wonderful. And I happen to know from talking to you before we started this interview that you're sitting in New Hampshire um, and we were, I was just commenting on what a nice kind of balance to be running this technology company where you're talking about AI and coding and all of these things. And then you, you get to go out and still get the natural world very close to you. Is that part of the the mental health journey because you didn't start off in New Hampshire. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, um, so we lived together, um, in New York for about seven years before we moved to New Hampshire. Um, we actually went to school in New Hampshire and my grandparents live, um, live there in New Hampshire. And so, um, you know, I think there's something special about being able to be in nature. I think, um, you know, just I think waking up, being able to walk, do a little hike or do a little walk and then start your day is just really special about that. And so, 
I love New York uh, City so much and, you know, of course want to go back at some point. But I think, yeah, being in New Hampshire has really helped, um, you know, kind of see balance and see, um, get a perspective and and just be able to uh, shut off the phone for a little bit and, and make sure you're actually reconnecting with nature. And, and, you know, it's a beautiful world. And I think that that, that was really important to us. Lindsay, these interviews go fast. And I, I always appreciate when I speak to my female founders in the tech space. Um, and I don't know if you have any, any kind of wisdom you would impart on people um, in terms of where you go to get your motivation, your um, where you watch trends. Is there anything that you're reading lately? Any other podcasts you're listening to? Anything that you would tell people they need to check out? Um, yeah, that's so interesting. Um, I'm a big fan of, uh, Nathan Laka. He does a great YouTube series. He interviews a lot of founders. I think, um, I, I really enjoy, um, his content a lot. Um, but I think there's, there's so many people out there. I think one thing that I uh, heard recently was this person was talking about people need to start think watching the, uh, the person who's about two levels, their company is about two levels above you rather than the the famous CEOs of famous mm-hmm. companies because that's so unattainable. So the lessons that you're learning from them is, is, you know, it's even hard to conceptualize. So I think recently I've been trying to kind of learn from those companies that are a little bit, you know, a little bit more advanced from us, or they're a little bit faster, harder on their growth journey than we are um, and seeing what lessons they're learning. Um, and those seem to be a lot more attainable and I can get a lot of value from that sort of thing. So I think that was really interesting thing that I heard that I've been able to implement you know, rather than following that, you know, that famous uh, entrepreneurs person like that, that you're like, they're dealing with issues. I couldn't even conceptualize how I would handle or how that would be applicable to our company. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think that uh, just being a little bit more, uh, you know, closer to where you are in your growth stage of the company. Well, Lindsay, I'd like to ask my guests, if we come back and talk to you in two or three years, what is the story for either yourself or for Playbook UX? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, so when we set out, we set out to, um, and part of the reason we uh, self-funded was because uh, we wanted to create a long-term um, vision. And I think what uh, what we're all about is the all-in-one tool um, for UX research, uh, making it so you don't have to have all these different tools. So I think creating an all-in-one tool takes time. Um, you can You can have to do a lot of different things. Uh, and so that's really where our long-term vision is, is making UX research, research in general, um, in, in all in one place. Um, so I think that's, that's the vision. And obviously we're moving quickly towards that, but, uh, but that's where, that's where we're going. Well, thank you so much for being a guest today. I, for our listeners, um, if Lindsay said something that really resonated with you, if you know somebody that really needs to look at user research in a different way, um, Lindsay, how can we direct people to connect with you or to connect with the company? Uh, yeah, so playbookux.com. Um, yeah, we have, um, or you can just email me, um, lindsay at playbookux.com um, or find me on LinkedIn, either way.
So fantastic. So again, to our listeners, if there's somebody that you know of who could benefit from this interview, pass a copy along. If you valued it, please leave us a review on your favorite podcast channel or on Podchaser. Um, if you like Lindsay's story, I just like to remind you that you can always pick up a copy of my book, Building Your Brand, Make Business Happen in a Global Economy that has a bunch of lovely stories from company founders and CEOs. Um, and business builders on things that you can do to reinforce your business journey. So Lindsay, again, just wonderful to speak with you. And now I'm going to just wish that I could be sitting in the New Hampshire mountains here as I talk to you in the fall season. Um, So thank you again so much for being a guest. Oh, thank you. I really enjoyed it. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.